What is up? I am Miguel Antonio, and this is the Live and Create Podcast. It's where I interview artists and entrepreneurs about what it means to live a great life and create great things. On this episode, we have Nub the Poet. He's a spoken word artist, writer, and content creator. He's chasing his dreams, pursuing his passion, and sharing his voice. He shares his story of going from student to stage by being inspired by the college performers that he saw, asking questions of them, and going to study and learn what it is to be a true performer, and then setting out and taking the risk to go on his own artistic journey. We also talk about the inward journey that he's been on and the tough questions that he's asking himself. I think you guys will have a, uh, find a lot of value in that. I think valuable questions you can ask even of yourself. And his passion for social justice and to speak up for cultural change just shines through. And we discuss what that can do and how that can affect your own business and your own brand. It's a great conversation. You're going to love it. The Live and Create Podcast. What did that look like for you? I, I know we were kind of catching up, but this is an interesting thing. Uh, I think I might just keep in the podcast if you're cool with it yeah, <laughs> and go yeah. a little deeper. Uh, what did that look like for you? What did the process look like uh, to take that inward journey? So it was really interesting in that um, I got onto TikTok like a few months before the pandemic happened to hit. And then but around the time the pandemic really started, I started talking about my faith on TikTok. And I didn't know how that was going to go. I thought it was going to go really badly because the internet is the internet and people can right. be really... Almost just... everything goes badly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But to my <laughs> surprise and like, it, it, it went really well. Like the reception, the response people have given me for sharing my faith and talking about it has been very positive. Like I, my following is because of me talking about my faith, which is not what I expected. Yeah, and so that exploration of my faith led to just more asking myself these questions and like trying to work on my connection to my spirituality and my faith and to the divine. And that has helped me look at things and go, Hmm, why am I doing this? Why, why do I have this issue? Or why am I so concerned with these things? And really just questioning and questioning more of the way I've been behaving in a lot of ways or the way I think about things and really maybe adjust that sort of thinking or at least challenge it and go, what do I need to remove or change and what can I keep and what ways work for me and what ways are really not working for me. And I'm just uncomfortable with actually doing those things. And I'm afraid of doing those things or living that way because I'm not used to it or I'm so used to, you know, being around people. So like, it was very, right. very interesting that in a way, TikTok was the catalyst <laughs> for my growth. <laughs> I love it. So TikTok gave us, uh, you know, little Nas X and it gave you uh, <laughs> spiritual inward discernment and TikTok has many, many capabilities. That's, that's pretty cool though, man. I, I do think uh, sometimes it can be easy to distract us because I distract ourselves with people because I am the same way. I'm a people person. I love being out. I, I long for the day where there's a local venue here that I love called the Rhino. I long for the day I can like walk back in and, you know, drink whiskey, hang out with everybody <laughs> and reconnect. Uh, like I look forward to getting back out to New York and, and hanging out with you again uh, out that direction. But, but sometimes like even the road uh, can be a distraction. I know you traveled a bit as well. Um, mm -hmm. what is, was there anything um, as, as you answer, ask these questions, what were some of the big questions that keep coming back to yourself? 
that you keep asking yourself and keep growing with? I mean, the biggest thing I feel for me right now, or that has been for me is I, I just love attention. I love having attention. So <laughs> I, I can you. admit it, you know, like I have no problem admitting <laughs> it. And so that literal cutoff of just like, oh, I can't meet up with people. I can't get that. I can't perform. You know, I can't be in front of dozens or hundreds of people that are just like going crazy like that's you know you know what that's like that's yes best <laughs> it's like a drug in and of itself <laughs> absolutely and like you said like the road is its own distraction and so is that thing because like you're so focused on like i gotta perform and i, I want to perform and i love performing and i love all these things i'm doing which are great like talking to people engaging and having those for me having those conversations about very difficult subjects or you know issues in society it's it's great but that doesn't really give me the opportunity to just you know as you kind of brought with that parable like sit with myself and be like yo nov what's going on like what are we doing how's how's today how are you today how are you handling not getting attention like those are that's the question that i ask myself a lot how are you handling that's great though not getting attention because it's it's tough and uh Fortunately, I've worked on it a lot. It's taken me a while, but I've, as the time has passed, I've become more and more comfortable with just like, uh, just sitting at home and like, you know, I love watching film. Like I studied film in college, so I love watching film and I love studying and analyzing it. And, you know, even though like kind of to your example, it's maybe not with, with myself, but like just doing that and doing something that I love for me and, you know, not worrying about sharing it with people and discussing it with people and any of that is just a really interesting experience where I'm just like, here's what I've discovered about this film and these characters and these things. And like, I just like thinking about that. Like I've created so much headcanon for characters in my, <laughs> uh, awesome. in my spare time. Like I, I talk about it a bit on TikTok as well, where I, I started talking about star Wars and like the different characters that I'm really into. And I've created this like backstory for them and stuff, but ultimately it's still just like, film is a passion of mine that I really get to explore and I've had time to just absorb a lot of. Um, and so, yeah, that, that question is just like, how do you deal with not getting attention? <laughs> I like that question. I might need to add that to the questions I keep asking myself. Uh, that's, that's great. But yeah, the, the concept of loving yourself for me, it's been the concept of giving myself grace. And I, I realize I, because I have this internal dialogue, which sometimes can help, but it's more like, hey, what do you do, motherfucker? Get, get going, you know, that. And sometimes maybe it's helpful. Um, but I think a lot of times that there's that voice like that, that just doesn't give myself grace when things don't go right or well. Uh, and so that can get stuck there. But that's cool, man. You've been on that journey. Now, um, I do want to get, because obviously you're a spoken word artist. I I'd love to talk more about that. Actually, my last interview was Odd Rod, uh, oh, which, nice. uh, so that was cool. We talked a bit about you in, in that. So I, I want to get to that, but I know for you, uh, film is a big deal and you also do a whole lot of, of, uh, film work, uh, in, in the day job is, is that, would you say that's like your day job or is that a side hustle? How do you view like what you do in videography? So, I mean, I do have a day job. I work for a company doing video marketing, um, but it's not like filmmaking um, or, okay. you know, even just like, it's not video production in the way that I really want to be part of video production. I um, see. So yeah, right now, and I even, haven't even done much freelance, like pandemic aside, since I got that job, I haven't had the time or 
kind of like the drive in a way to <laughs> freelance because you know it's just like nine to five Monday through Friday just weekends I want to chill or create my own content for other things so I and you're like, on the TikTok inward journey too so yeah, you know yeah. you, you got to so, carve out time for that yeah so I don't really I haven't really sought out gigs for other people it's usually my own stuff I that see. I'm working on um but yeah it's definitely as of right now like a side hustle uh, I do want to truthfully I want to be a screenwriter for a television series or television multiple television series that's my ultimate goal so I'm working on scripts and you know creating different you know pieces of content to hopefully eventually produce myself or pitch to other you know networks or studios um and so that's really where I'm at with video production right now other than my day job right on in the day job is that more editing uh marketing videos shooting those kind of things or or is it part of like pushing it out in social media and, and dialing all those things in it's it's all of it so i i pretty much handle the filming the editing and then uh well i handle uh one platform for us and there's someone else who handles like other platforms but uh yeah i'm like coming up with the ideas writing the scripts uh shooting it editing it all that so i'm doing pretty much what i would be doing freelance but it's for a specific company and for a specific industry and so it's not exactly what i want to be doing uh, but mm -hmm. what I do love about it is that it's a smaller company, so they're very open to kind of, you know, creative ideas. So even if it's something that seems a little wacky or just unorthodox, they're just like, hey, let's give it a shot. And so I get to really explore and pitch different kinds of concepts for how to shoot these videos or how to, you know, present, you know, create promos. So that's really cool. Right. That's awesome, man. In a way, it sounds like maybe you're just getting a lot of reps in that'll help you uh, when you finally do your own things uh, on a larger scale, because you are doing your own things from video. Uh, but yeah, it sounds like maybe that's helping you get those reps in. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. Even, um, you know, lighting is not my strong suit. So setting up lighting is something that I'm doing and I have the room to mess up right? Because it's not like I'm working for Disney where if I screw up lighting, they're right. probably gonna be like, just <laughs> get out of here, you know? So I have that that space to really experiment and learn and take the time to figure things out while I'm creating content. And in a way, it's like a, it's experimental and also beneficial where it's like, oh, you can look at the video from three months ago and the video from yesterday and see differences in how I filmed it and how it was shot and edited and all that. So it is, um, it's cool for me and maybe even for the company. I don't know what their thoughts are exactly on that, but. <laughs> well, they haven't um, fired you yet. So, yeah. so you're in so far. They like it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was doing video uh, and social media for a smaller company here and that helped a lot, learn a lot of things, a lot of reps. And, uh, the owner of that company was willing to take a lot of risks. <laughs> and so, so it, it was a cool journey. It was, it was weird because I spent years with the band doing everything to build kind of my own brand in a way. Mm -hmm. Um, so it was weird doing it for someone else, but in a way freeing, because I was like, uh, it's, it's literally not about me uh, period at all. So, okay. Yeah. Let's do that weird thing. Let, let's just try it. Let's take that risk. And I learned a lot through that. And I think it's helping me take more risks. Uh, one of the, the videos you made though, that uh, I thought was hilarious yet at the same time, um, 
very pointed and and timely was the <laughs> where you're essentially you you play several of the characters and you have someone else in uh where they're calling to report that there's a black man in their neighborhood oh, yeah. and and then when you forward them on they actually get a black man i don't know who the the actor was <laughs> in yeah. that and he and uh i i just thought that was that was a hilarious video i, I might need to reshare it on my page after I, I put this episode out so people can have context but uh what inspired that that video for you so um like i said i've been on tiktok for a little over a year now and i started with just sharing my poetry i was like i don't even care i'm not going to think about it too much i'm just going to post my poetry we're cool right and then the more you spend the more time you spend on an app the more you see other people's creativity and things and you know me i love talking about these important subjects but i always approach them in a from a different angle um, even in terms of what I discuss, I've noticed that the way I talk about things versus the way other people talk about a certain subject is just from a different angle. And um, so I was actually brainstorming with a, a fellow TikToker um, who I connected with and we were just like throwing out ideas. And he said like, oh, it'd be interesting if you had like a, a hotline where like, you know, people can call, people call and they can discuss these issues, these like microaggressions or these situations that they experience or that they've you know as a as a non-person of color are you know um, imposing on other people and then you can kind of like talk them through the situation and I thought that was a brilliant idea so right. I've done four or five of these now um, and uh, that's just like the most recent one but I've done a couple of them um, and so it's just a cool way to one you know address certain issues that I experience or that people of color experience Two, it's it's fun for me. It's a very creative, um, creative medium and like way to deliver the message. And because I talk, especially with my poetry, I'm more so very intense and serious in a way. This is a comedic style that I get to explore that um, issue and also just explore my own writing ability. I write the scripts myself, so it's me kind of exploring that. Um, that like comedy sketch comedy style because I don't do that much and so um it's a very uh freeing experience for me because it's just so different um but I have so much fun with them and <laughs> truth is I get so uncomfortable when I play the actual because like the one you saw was a collaboration but in some of them I play the actual other yeah. caller <laughs> you were the you were the person taking the call and then you were the the racist person or yeah. <laughs> whether so knowingly racist or not, but that's <laughs> it's so uncomfortable. Yeah, I bet that's weird. <laughs> I say like as the caller, as the racist caller, it's so uncomfortable for me to say it. <laughs> but <laughs> I just I'm just like this is a character I'm playing, you know, and like so it's a very unique experience to do that. That's cool though, man. I, I think you're right though. Comedy has a way of disarming people to maybe hear things that uh they weren't quite ready to hear, you know, and it, it like, I think Dave Chappelle is brilliant at that, where he can, he can spin things around to where you're like, Oh shit. Okay. Like I may not even fully agree with you on whatever issue it is, but I never seen it from that point of view. And because now my, you know, uncross your arm kind of moment, like I, I relax mm. and now I can hear this point. And I think you, you guys did that well in that video where <laughs> it's like, he's like, so is, is the black man doing anything wrong? He's like, no, he's just in my neighborhood. <laughs> they're like uh maybe he moved it yeah i, I won't <laughs> yeah. do the whole bit it, it was great and my I'll favorite definitely line, share it. <laughs> my favorite line from that he's like just so you know 
black people also own homes. <laughs> <laughs> that was great. They it's, they do live in neighborhoods. Yeah. <laughs> it's and it, great. It's, it's crazy too because I I have friends who have literally moved out of the suburbs because they kept getting stopped by cops running and jogging in their own neighborhoods uh, simply because wow. they were black and had dreads and they they were like you know what forget it I just they moved back into the city and because they felt more comfortable and so it's like you you take this com- this comedy that kind of highlights a very real reality for a lot of Americans and so yeah that, that was great kudos to you for for uh, tackling some hard subjects in there, man. Yeah, it's it's become a a reoccurring thing for me through, like that's what TikTok has kind of given me as well as that's one series. I have another series called Is It Toxic? Which is a game show and I address toxic behaviors and it's, it's so much fun. Um, I need to get on TikTok. I will get on TikTok just to start watching your stuff. So I yeah, only man. saw it on Instagram. So it's, I've posted them on Instagram as well, but the thing with Instagram, maybe you even know, is like it's it's just dreadful for getting your content out there. Um, yeah. Versus like TikTok allows for way more reach. Um, like the the first episode I did of Is It Toxic, it got like a hundred k views within a week. Um, That's awesome. And then I posted man. on Instagram, and it's like ten like or like maybe 50, 70 likes. You know, it's it's just right such a drastic difference in how much reach you can get on TikTok, And so, yeah, yeah Facebook and, then, and Instagram want you to spend money. That's what they want you to do. Push yeah. that stuff out. So no, that's cool. So, uh, you're making these comedy sketches, uh, you're, you're writing, you're doing the day job thing as well, getting the reps in, but it seems like to me, from what I know of you, your bread and butter is poetry and spoken word performance. You do a lot of content. You used to be touring with it <laughs> when, when touring happened, uh, yeah. no doubt you will be in the future. Um, how did that start for you? So I got into writing actually, uh, in 2011. So it's been 10 years that I've been writing and performing. Um, so I got into writing in 2011 because of a breakup, uh, and I just didn't know how to handle all those emotions. I was never really educated and like shown, especially in my community. I don't know if it's similar with your community, but in the South Asian community, especially as a man, like you're not taught or encouraged to express yourself. Um, other than, um, the emotions you can express are like happiness, anger, and drunk. And so... Uh, I don't drink. So, so drunk that's one as an emotion. So. <laughs> yeah. So I don't drink. So that's one emotion that I don't have in my basket. Um, <laughs> and, I'll carry uh, that emotion for you a little stronger then. I'll, I'll every once in a while I'll represent you for that one. <laughs> anger. I was very good at, I was very good at being angry. Um, and like, it's actually a stereotype as a um, Punjabi, as a, someone from Punjab, the Northern state in India, as a Punjabi, like they're known to be like angry or very jolly. Like it's those two emotions kind of thing. <laughs> That's and, all you get. Yeah. And so, so yeah, I was, just, I was just dealing with a lot of emotions that I didn't know how to handle. And I was in a major that I realized I didn't want to be pursuing, which was engineering. And I was in, I remember it was a chemistry class and I just, I was so bored. I started writing. And by the end of the class, I had like two pages or three pages of like a poem. And I go, where did this come from? I don't know. And But I really, the way I always explain it to people is it didn't just feel good to write. It felt right. As if this is what I'm supposed to be doing, whether I believe in destiny or not, I'm not even sure, but it just felt like this is 
something I need to follow. It just, it felt, you know, like this is the path for me. And so I just, through that year, I pursued it. I spent my whole summer watching Def Jam poetry on YouTube to understand the the performance aspect of it. Um, And that's where I discovered that you don't have to rhyme for poetry. I don't know why I never knew that you didn't have to rhyme, but to me, poetry (laughs) always just was synonymous with rhyming. And so more like a limerick almost in a way. Yeah. And so then I, I heard these, these, you know, these spoken word artists, these Def Jam poets that are not rhyming and just doing all these like pauses and breaks and unique styles of performance. And I went, this is incredible and so much more than I realized. Because um, I think also like most people that I encounter now as a, as a traveling poet, as a performer, they assume poetry is just Shakespeare, Robert Frost. And they then go, yeah, that's not for me. And I've explicitly written right. a poem <laughs> called Poetry is for Everyone addressing that comment. And um, so, yeah, so I just learned that there's so much more to it and there's so many styles and it's it's like rap without music. Like, this is really what it is, you know, or it can be, that's one style that it can be. And um, by the end of the year, I saw I saw an opportunity to perform at this event that I attended the year before where I saw these, um, these artists who are of the Sikh faith perform. And that kind of, I think, sparked the writing in me when that year, but like, it didn't really get into it till that class, you know? And so um, when I actually started writing and I just said, dad, let's get, let's perform. I don't know why. I really don't know what compelled me to perform. I just thought it was cool that other people were doing it. And so I, I, I was like, why not? And then, so in December of 2011 was my first performance and I, it was a okay performance and whose, whose first performance is ever amazing. Um, (laughs) But it was in front of like 300 people. That's awesome. Yeah. Not everyone's first performance is in front of 300 (laughs) people. So that's legit. Yeah. And so that was really cool. And it was in front of a 300 people from my own community who were very supportive of what I was doing. So it was kind of a great starting point because I wasn't, if anybody didn't like it, they just weren't going to say anything, right? And those who did like it would approach me and say, give me compliments or share their thoughts, right? And so it was a very good, like, um, space for me to have that first performance where I didn't really have to be afraid. I was terrified, but I didn't have to because I had a, I was in a community that I knew wasn't going to just absolutely trash me. (laughs) (laughs) They're like booing you off stage for your first show that might not have catapulted you into an actual career in this thing. Right. So I went and performed. It was a two minute piece, maybe three minutes, two, three minute piece, but it was fine. But I walked off stage going, this is what I want to do. Like I just knew instantly as I was walking off the stage, this is what I want to do. I knew in my head 100%. That's awesome, man. Now, um, when we met, we were doing the college circuit uh, together. I I was trying, were you still a student? I think you were still a student. I think the first we time we met, yes, I was still a student. Now, at what point did you make the jump um, from attending those events to suddenly you're the one on stage. So for a context for the audience, uh, we, we are doing, uh, uh, it's called APCA and it's a organization where you perform regionally, uh, for different colleges. They decide who, who they want to book and bring in their school for the next year's events, all that good stuff. Uh, and then Nav was there as a student, but eventually became the person on stage. Uh, so what did that journey look like student to stage for you? That was interesting. One quick thing. So 
I, I, I haven't realized how long we haven't talked. So um, my name is pronounced Nuv, and I just used to never Nuv. correct anybody. I'm so sorry, man. No, it's fine. I just never used <laughs> to correct How did I mess anybody. that up for so long? <laughs> I never corrected anybody when I was younger. Okay. I just, it was a thing. And like, even my, one of my best friends who I've known since high school, when I started actually introducing myself with my proper name, he's like, dude, why have you never told me? I was like, because for the longest time, I just accepted that people couldn't pronounce it. I just assumed that it was so difficult for people that I didn't want to go through the process of educating them. But now I, I, I make that effort. I'm like, no, it rhymes with love. Really simple. Uh, so no. So, yeah. Am I saying it right now? Yeah, you're perfect. No. Yep. Okay, awesome. <laughs> How do you say your last name then? I don't want to mess that up when so I my do last, the intro. Well, so um, I so my legal last name is Such Dave, but I go by Sing. Okay. Sing. So, it sounds similar to the word like sing, you know, to sing. sing. So Nov Sing. Yeah, Nov Sing. I got it yeah. right. Yeah. So, and I, I get Miguel a lot. Um, Miguel. How? Well, I live, I live in the Midwest, bro. That's. <laughs> I know. But Miguel Carabella. I'm more exposed Cur to other cultures. That's why. So it's. <laughs> yeah. Like you being in New York city, it's yeah. That was, that's a whole different world. <laughs> like rolling around out there. So many different cultures, but, but yeah, I get, uh, one of my teachers would call me Miguel all the time. And, but I was, I was the same as you. I literally have just. I got to a point where when I was, I did substitute teaching, I was Mr. C because I didn't, it's because my last name is Caravaggio and I'm like, mm -hmm. oh God, I don't even want to sit with people and explain this. So Nuv Singh, yep. and I've been screwing this up for, for years, apparently. I, I said your fault. last name correctly. <laughs> but it's my fault because okay. I didn't correct it. So I always tell people well, that. Well, thank like, you for correcting me. Thank you. Yeah, <laughs> that's the thing. So uh, as a quick little side note, I went to India in 2017 and I was talking to my grandfather and something about talking to him at that moment just made me go, why? I felt like I was disrespecting him, my family, my, my community, mm -hmm. my culture by letting people mispronounce my name. Like, if I met someone named John and I called them Joan, I don't think they would like that. And I did, <laughs> and I'm pretty sure they would correct me on that. So why, right. why am I so uncomfortable doing the same? Right. It's a, it's a lot of like white supremacy ideology that gets embedded even in us as, as people of color. Well, it's interesting. It, it does point to an underlying power structure as well. It's like, because there's certain names that are seen as prevalent and, and, really about power structure and i'm kind of thinking out loud because it just hit me off of what you said i'm like damn i've never even considered that like even down to a point when i was in kindergarten I, i'm probably I, I don't my wife makes fun of me because i can never say kindergarten correctly or ibuprofen ibuprofen i don't fuck i don't know but <laughs> i was i was in kindergarten <laughs> now i'm stuck on it i keep messing up and they they went in they're like would would he like to go by miguel or maybe he should go by michael because people might make fun of him like that's the actual conversation they had with my parents. And I was like, well, I don't want anyone to make fun of me. So I, right. people know me, you can track how long people know me by what they call me. So I was Michael through elementary school and then middle school. I want to be Mike because that's what they called my dad. So I want to feel more mature. And then finally high school, it wasn't about like great things. Like you're talking about like support for family and culture. <laughs> I learned, I learned the girls like Miguel better so <laughs> so i started going by my real name at that point i wish i had a better motivation <laughs> that's fine on that one but that's yeah. awesome man i you know honestly that's a, a powerful point i might one thing i'm doing here in the future is clipping pieces of this this podcast uh just to highlight certain points and 
uh, if you're cool with that, I'd love to just even clip that, like where you're you correcting me and then talking about talking about what's behind that, because I think that might empower other people in their own journey to feel that. So that's good. It even empowers me as I think about it. That's awesome, man. Thank you. Dude, anything I say, unless I will, like, I would tell you if you have no permission to use something, but you don't really <laughs> have to ask at this point. Like, first of all, we have such good rapport. We've known each other for so long that like, I don't expect you to bring like have be malicious with any of the content so you know i'm not really concerned about that so yeah feel free to use that i love telling right that on, story man. because like he's my last living grandparent too um and he's he's over 90 now and uh so it's just wow. very interesting to yeah and i got to sit down with him and he told me like his whole story um because like he was alive during partition which was when india got separated into india and pakistan after british mm. rule ended um okay so that's just an interesting story because there was a lot of mass migration, a lot of violence through that time. Right. And just a lot of things that people had to endure um, because of British rule and because of, because of the result of partition. And so sitting uh, down with it, about that. hearing his story, it was just really eye-opening to me. And it just made me go, I, sh I already do appreciate my culture. Why am I not appreciating it to the extent that I want people to, respect that and that that being my name hmm. that's awesome and then i remember i had a pakistani roommate uh he was a doctoral student um and the only conversation we ever had about india was that they just didn't get along and it never went deeper so he didn't explain that and uh now even hearing that i i wish i would have kind of pushed into that leaned into that to learn learn more like if i was me then maybe i would have <laughs> yeah, at that I point mean, but but that's cool. Um, so, so with this concept, kind of going back to that. So you were student, right? Well, yes. I need to talk okay. in the mic. I'm trying to get question. used to I was moving, trying to remember the question. Moving in and I'm trying to move in and out on this mic and I don't know, I'm trying all sorts of things, but <laughs> um, so you were the student uh, in this APCA organization and eventually you, you made your way to the stage and mm -hmm. eventually going on and doing some tours and those kind of things. What did that journey look like? from student to stage for you? So I I think I attended my first APCA as a student in my third year of college. And I saw this poet named Joaquin Zehuatanejo. And I was just like, oh shoot, people do this for a living. Like I was just getting into poetry at that time. And then I was like, wait, people travel and perform and make money doing this? That's a, I already knew I wanted to do it. I just didn't know what, avenue and how that even works and so when I saw him perform and then you know there's the the little um the what's that called again the uh, educational what is it called the boots when there's the all the oh man I, I can't remember that session's the name. called <laughs> whatever there's a there's a time where you get to as students get to talk to the performers and so I just went up to him and I just started asking question after question just trying to understand like what's going on here and like Fortunately, it wasn't just him. There's also, you know, Ryan Pinot, right? Um, he's a the speaker. The name sounds super familiar. But he's a very energetic guy. Ahead. Energy is everything is his motto, or at least, you know, it was at the time. I don't know if he still goes by that, but. Um, <laughs> like, I had to turn it down a little bit, man. <laughs> no. But uh, I, The name sounds familiar. I have to go look him up afterwards and see. Somehow I, I, I just, he was my first ed session. He was my first educational session that I sat in on. It was like 9 a.m. on a Saturday morning. And he's just like, Hey everyone, what's going on? My name is Ryan. I was like, whoa, whoa, what is going on here? <laughs> but it was great. Like I, I really embraced that message. I'm a very, I'm a morning person anyway. And like that mentality of just being 
like ever present and being enthusiastic and not like forced, but just like finding a genuine desire to be energetic and have a love for what you're doing and for life. I was just, I really embraced that. And I've applied that to my life over the years. And I just, but it just, it stuck with me. And I started talking to him too. And like, how do you do this? Like trying to just pick the brains of anybody I could while all the others were not all, but while most of the other students were just hanging out with each other, going out in the city, I was with the the presenters and speakers. I went to Midtown Comics with Ryan and another guy um, who were Dude, both presenters. Awesome. Yeah. And I was just talking to them and getting information and learning because I knew I wanted to do this. So I was just thinking, how do I do this? Tell me like the secrets, you know, and, like, I had people right there who have done this and have been exploring this these avenues and knew what, what worked, like Tom Kriegelstein, another awesome guy, um, and just, yeah, asking them questions, learning from them, and like really just listening to their stories even. It wasn't even about asking questions sometimes. It was just sitting and listening to their experiences and what they've dealt with and how they handled their first app because and they're, you know, they're... So when I then... Uh, decided uh, after like all these APCAs, I've been to like five as a student. And so I knew I wanted to do APCA because I didn't really know how else to pursue poetry as a career, really. Like I could probably spend years toiling in open mics and hope someone is like, you're good enough, you know, Um, or I could, you know, pony up the money because it's a lot of money. And uh, (laughs) that it is. We invested like over 10 grand, I think our first year into it, but it paid off, but there is an investment that. Yeah. And so I was working part-time after I graduated uh, at two different jobs. And like, I saved up for like two years. And then I went to my first APCA in Houston. So it was APCA 2016, I think it was spring. Um, And I just, I went for my first APCA to perform and I actually got six shows right off the bat. (laughs) That's amazing. I, that was the performance I remember seeing you in actually. I think we were down there in Houston as well. Yeah, that sounds right. Because I think we met you at another one previously as a student, and then there you were yep. performing, man. I you I, shared that I've never forgot the the piece about your father mm-hmm. that you shared, and that was such like I literally am getting emotional thinking about it right now. Such a powerful piece, but so that that show for you that showcase went really well. You had six shows, um, and then what else kind of transpired for you during that time? Um, it was just. Uh... You know, it's still, even though I knew quite a bit, like learning about APCA is still like as a performer is a very different thing than being a student, but it also like, it's cool to be a student and then do APCA because it's, I have an insight that a lot of people don't um, because I'm, I've been on the other side of the booth and like, I've, I know what students are kind of looking for and what they, you know, react and respond to. Um, Obviously you don't know for sure because every audience is different and every region is different, but you can kind of get a general consensus of just like the the types of performances or like the genres or whatever themes and subjects that people want to hear about um so you know it was a lot of refinement then of like going to my next showcase because I did the next one I did was in Chicago and like I got nothing from that which is not you know ideal but it's Chicago's been a rough one for a lot of people though so it I I, even Handsome Naked that's done really well Chicago is their home turf and they performed there and yeah it was a rougher one for them I remember them coming back they're like it didn't even make sense like what the hell (laughs) so that may not have been on you it may have just been right I I remember people talk about that one and APCA is also a smaller college um focused or um you know uh conference 
you know, so they don't always, they don't have as big budgets. So it's just like, it's natural to not necessarily get shows. It's really not, um, it wasn't unsurprising to me, but it is like when you get six off your first, first one, then you get nothing. It's just like, oh shoot, what did I do yeah. wrong? Like what, what <laughs> happened? But you just learn that's kind of the, that's the game that is being a performer. Um, yeah. That's for us. We actually had invested in several and had it all lined up and we did our first one and we got nothing. And mm -hmm. I was like, Oh shit. Yeah. <laughs> and luckily it, it, the next one, we just kept going. Our agents like, Hey, just keep going. Sometimes this happens. You know, we learned a lot and kept tweaking and growing and, and uh, it did pay off. But dude, I think that's a really powerful story. Hopefully it'll encourage others, especially newer artists who might be starting. Like here you were, you knew you wanted to dive into this world um, where, you know, like you said, like, oh, you can make a living doing poetry. People are really doing it. You discovered that you could have been hanging out and partying with all your friends, but you had this wealth of knowledge in front of you and, and you sat at their feet learning and growing. And then dude, two years working to save up the money. That's amazing. Like I literally have talked to artist after artist, and they've asked about this market and they're like, Oh, we just can't afford that. And it was like case closed and they moved on, but you like stacking that cash away, hustling, man. It's, I love it because that's, that is the reality of this arts world. And mm -hmm. man, that's, that's powerful that you're living it out. That's cool. Yeah. It was, uh, it was, it was just, that was, you know, just like when I walked off stage going, I want to be a poet after I'd gone to APCA, I was like, okay, I want to do APCA or I want to do these conferences. And, you know, just APCA seemed like the most reasonable one just because I had already built connections. Like I knew Eric really well. Eric Lambert is the director yeah. of the organization. So I just, I knew him well. And like, I knew he would be, he, he was totally like, even as a student, he's like, if you want to do this, I will back you. Like I will. So I, I knew I had people in my corner and I just knew that that space. And when you have the guy running it in your <laughs> corner, I guess that, that helps out too. Yeah. So, but he's still, but I think your, your heart and your personality and your focus, I think you, you earned that, you know, I, right. I imagine not everyone, they don't approach people the same way because it seems like you earn that and you were talking about the energy that's one i remember the first time i met you <laughs> whereas like just you did you just have so much energy that you bring to the table where it's like this dude's cool we gotta hang out with this dude <laughs> that's what i love you, you and daniel like get to if we, daniel cole for the audience used to be my drummer and uh, i think he was like episode three of this podcast and but yeah he's that same way where it's like you two together you would just like light up the whole place. Cause just like, everyone's like, let's hang out with those guys. Those guys are cool. <laughs> now, That's um, so interesting oh, go ahead. Is, uh, is just like, I love talking to the students, but even more so it was just like, especially after the first few, like where we met and then, you know, handsome naked. And then you come to like one, three, you know, even like a year down the road, like sometimes cause you skip obviously a couple. And so like you go to the next one and it's just like a lot of the same people are there and it's like this big reunion. And it's just like, it really this, is. Yeah, like I'm like, oh shoot, who am I gonna see? I'm like flipping through the the program to see who's here, and like you just inevitably miss someone in the program. So it's like you run into them. You're like, oh my goodness, like it's you know. So it's like Odd Rod and I have just you know, even though we don't talk anywhere on a frequent basis, but sometimes mm -hmm. you know, I just will message him or I respond to a story or something on on social media, and like we always have that connection because like I think his first. Um, Perform her his first APCA as a performer was my first as a student. And so like mm -hmm. we kind of just again bonded in a similar way. 
And like, he'd start doing those like, you know, student open mics at the end of the conference at the nights. And like, I was a big part of that because he, I wanted to be part of it. So he was just like, I want to highlight students or people that want to showcase their talent, go dude. And so similar, another guy who's just been like in my corner, been supportive. And yeah, APCA is great in the sense that you just get to build a lot of great relationships. Yeah. And it, it is that way. We, after the band ended, I took about two years out of that market and jumped back in. I think it was fall of 2019. Uh, yeah. Fall of 2019. And yeah, it had been two years from talking to most of the people, <laughs> but all of a sudden it's like, Hey, what's up? And then everyone's catching up there. And it's, it's interesting. Cause I think everyone has a very similar mindset. And so you can just jump back in and because we know we've all been hustling and trying to build these things and, and then share notes and, and <laughs> like swap stories. It, it was, it's a really cool vibe, man. And that's cool that, cause Adra and I talked about those open mics and, and his vision behind it. And I remember mentioning you and he's like, Oh, that's my man. <laughs> and, yeah. uh, and it, it's an inspiration to me as an artist, like what kind of, what kind of platforms do, can I grow that other people will eventually grow into their own art and to their own focus. Um, man, I, I, I eventually got to start turning this. There's so many places I want to go <laughs> with you. Um, but, but, uh, one thing I did want to talk before we go is we talked a little bit about it, but you have a passion, uh, for just like social justice and you are, are fighting to see change. I can see that in your, your spoken word and your poetry. I see that in your comedic <laughs> things. I'll soon, I'll see it on TikTok. Um, where, where does that come from for you? This, this passion to see diversity and fight for social justice. So the biggest answer is my faith, but actually um, I'm a huge Power Rangers fan and <laughs> <laughs> and uh, like, I still watch it to this day, dude. And um, so I, so really quick backstory, I was born with a heart condition. So I was in the hospital when I was younger for a lot of my young life. The only memory I have of being in the hospital is watching Power Rangers. And um, it just stuck with me, the idea of helping people from Power Rangers. It really did just resonate with me of this idea of like working to fight for what's good and, and do what's right kind of thing, you know, as, as very like preachy as Power Rangers sometimes can be and as very like overt with their messages. As a kid, it just, it I absorbed that, I embraced that. And I was like, oh, that's really cool. And then, you know, in my faith, which is Sikhi, um, we're taught to, to fight for equality. We're instructed to carry a knife on us so that we can defend ourselves and others at all times. Um, so justice, social justice and serving the greater good is embedded within my faith which has become a part of my personal like DNA. And so the more I've grown and the more I've learned about all these different issues, whether it's race, gender, um, whatever it is, I've just become more, um, more passionate about it because the more you learn about it and the more you see the injustices that have occurred historically and that continue to be perpetuated throughout society, it, it as someone who's always cared about helping people, it really, it, it affects you and it makes you very um, emotional and you want to make a change. And so that drive just comes about from having conversations and educating myself about what's going on and what has been going on. Like history absolutely fascinates me as dark as some of it is, the dark history is what fascinates me because it shows us where we can fall, but also how we can rise again. And so 
it really inspires me to want to bring about change. Like I tell people this all the time. I want to go to Germany because World War II fascinates me. Like mm -hmm. I, the Holocaust is awful. It's atrocious. But like knowing that history experiencing or not experiencing it, but like going to those spaces and those areas where it occurred, I just feel like something about being in that area would further inspire and channel this greater desire for change. Like it would just provide more motivation because like living in this time period where like we are so fortunate in many ways and then to go to another space where that was void of any hope and any sense, maybe not any hope because I do believe people tried to find hope. I'm kind of getting sidetracked with what I'm saying, That's but right. the point is like, um, yeah, so it's just uh, that those kinds of, you know, that history and, and that really encourages me to want to, you know, make it make things better and continue that progression that I feel like we are on the path of. That's awesome, man. Yeah, we, we actually had a conversation, I think, earlier this week uh, in our family about the potential of traveling to Germany uh, to see the concentration camps that are there. Uh, social justice and those kind of things are a big topic amongst our boys and in our family. Uh, our, our oldest son really drives it. He's involved. He's 16. Uh, he's and going on 17 and he's wanting to do political science. Like he's very involved in activism on his own. It has been on his own since like 14. Uh, so those conversations like spur it, but it, it was that conversation of, of looking around. It's almost a reminder of where it can go and the importance of fighting for it. And, uh, but it's, so if I'm, if I'm hearing this right though, it was power Rangers that inspired it and your, your faith that then now drives it in a way. Yes. Yes. Okay. Absolutely. So power Rangers in, inspired faith fueled <laughs> yeah. fight for social justice. Now, how do you, so it's Siki. Am I saying it right? It's Siki. Siki. Yeah. Sikki? There you go. Is that right? Yeah. Siki. Mm -hmm. Okay, cool. And I, uh, I was messing up previously saying seek. So Siki. Yeah, so Sikhi awesome. is the faith, and then a Sikh is the follower. So I am a oh, Sikh. I follow Sikhi. Okay, that's good to know, man. That's that's cool, man. And I think it's a it's a brave thing to do, to to do your art to try to build this career, yet at the same time, fight for social justice issues in the midst of it. I I've often got people uh like mentors people who i love and trust who have encouraged me not to go that direction because it takes some of potential clients off the table <laughs> and it really does especially like me living in the midwest um mm. but i've wrestled with that throughout my life because i'm like is that who i want to be is that the kind of art like i write songs i have nothing to do with it but then i do write songs that that speak out on different topics that uh may be challenging to some may be offensive to some and in where I'm, I've kind of landed with it where it's like, it's worth it because in, at the end of the day, if someone's not going to hire me because of that, I don't really want to work with that person anyway. And hopefully they'll come around and maybe some people will over time. Uh, but I think that's cool that you, you decided to really integrate all of your art with this idea of social justice. That's cool. Has that, has that affected anything for you, like in a negative way, or do you not even think about that? None to my knowledge, because I think I get what you're saying. And I feel like that's probably a, a battle a lot of artists deal with. But right. my <laughs> art has always stemmed from that. Like I started writing poetry in part because I was dealing with a lot of like discrimination and harassment for my faith. 
So I was already talking about it from the beginning. So it wasn't like I was talking about other things and then suddenly I've shifted. So people who know me or get to know me or see my work, I'm literally, that's who I've always been and who I'm always about. Whereas like, if I do a poem about self-love, I think that's even more foreign for people because they're just so used to me talking about social justice and these ideas. <laughs> Interesting, okay. My own personal, like, even if it's like, or not even self-love, but just like love and relationships, like those poems don't do as well, even though I think they're fire. <laughs> like, I think I write some amazing <laughs> love poems, but they don't do well because like, that's not my brand in a way, but I've never stuck to a brand really. I've just written what felt right to me. And some some days I'm in the mood to, you know, fight for revolution. Others um, want to talk about a girl that I'm really into, you know, it's just, um, so, but, uh, it's, yeah, it's very interesting for me where uh, it's just embedded in my art. Like it's it's not like I integrated it, like you said, it's it's more of it's been, you know, the fabric of my art where like one of my first poems was entitled Faith. And it was talking about my experience being a sick and having the desire to like cut my hair and, and not follow it. And then reminding myself that my ancestors literally died to defend my right to have this identity. So why am I so upset by someone calling me a terrorist? Like, yes, it's a, it's annoying and it's not right, but compared to what other people have been through, I think I can handle someone saying a word at me, you know? And so, and that's just me. I don't mean to, I don't want to sound like I'm invalidating people who get upset or are bothered because they should. Um, I'm just saying me, I've gone through this, this growth of like, now when people say stuff to me, I kind of just chuckle. Um, and I've done it on TikTok. Like I, you can, I don't know if you've, how much you're on, how much you're familiar with TikTok, but you can respond to Only comments. Only my wife shows me videos. That's about it right now. <laughs> so you can respond to comments with a video. And so I've responded to people's ignorance with videos where I'm just like, I mean, you're free to think what you want, dude, but like, you're not changing my mind. I'm not packing up and going out of this country just because you tell me to. <laughs> like that's, It makes me laugh that people waste their energy like that. <laughs> that that's awesome you're like no you didn't accomplish anything not not getting yeah. on a plane and leaving so yeah what are you gonna do? i made a i do? made a really i thought it was funny i made a silent film called a bigot's dream where um <laughs> <laughs> so i'm walking down the street and then someone shouts to me go back to my country and then i pack up and leave and that's their dream like that's what they expect <laughs> to happen i guess because i'm not going anywhere but i guess that's their dream so it's this silent film as the old time music it's got grainy footage it's black and white it's that's <laughs> amazing i can't i'm literally gonna get on tiktok just to watch your stuff man and then I, everyone's telling me i need to start posting stuff on it anyway so i need to get there anyway but now you're the motivator you're the motivator on that that sounds brilliant man but and i think you bring up a, a great point because that's probably where the challenge has been for me because I actually started out as more of a Christian artist and I left that faith. And so I think mm. it was a shock to a lot of people. And so I think that when I started writing songs that weren't about that or undertones of that, I think people were like, what, what the hell, you know, but mm. it's like now this, this is who I am. This is where I'm at uh, on my own journey. And so I think that concept of brand and maybe it's not even a thing of artists, not changing their brand, but to understand that your audience has expectations where you, like you said, you want to do something about love more universal. And they're like, whoa, whoa, man, I want some political challenge here, man. What's going on? Um, yeah. But to, to, in a sense, maybe uh, care for your audience as you make those shifts, not, 
I would, in, for me personally, I've concluded I'm not going to hold back who I am or the honesty I want to say, but that is a consideration. Like, how do you love your audience and help them adjust and grow with you? And, and that some days maybe people just won't follow along anyway, yeah. you know, like, and you know, I is mean, what it is. It's a process too. Like even as someone who has always spoken about it, like the way I've gone about addressing different issues has changed. It's evolved over the years. Um, whereas I used to have a much more like forceful, angry <laughs> response to things. Now I'm more like, okay, let's kind of like sit with this and dissect what you're implying and what you're thinking and like why that might not be suitable and conducive to our society and the fabric of our existence. Like, let's look at this. Before it was just like, I was an angry kid. So I was just like, yo, this is like, you know, just very like, you know, very, um, what's, I don't know what the word is right now. It's not coming to me, but it was just a very, very more intense and very, pushback there was a lot of pushback from me towards these right. like these responses or towards these attitudes and now it's more of like okay let's 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 get into this let's really delve into what you're saying and try to figure out where we can understand each other you know because I also don't sit with any um or at least I try not to sit with any sort of high ground on authority of morality like I'm not just like oh well I know what's right like I don't know anything dude I'm learning with you and that's the point is like, I'm not here telling you what, what you should and shouldn't be doing. I'm telling you, ask yourself if what you're doing is right. That's really what it is. Hmm. That's good. And I love that you're leading with questions as an artist. Um, that's something I think, especially the world I was coming from, as I said, more uh, this Christian world, a lot of that world was more about making statements and and authority statements. And that's where, when I started asking questions, I found this immense, like, world open up. And, and that's, as I think about my own boys, like as we raise them, it's like, at the end of the day, I want them to learn how to ask questions, to challenge the questions and to grow. And, and I think that's where we find uh, more and more knowledge as we do that. And I love that you're, you're leading with that. sounds like your audience can kind of grow with you <laughs> as you wrestle through all, all these things uh, with them. Yeah. That's cool. That's the point. And I go back to TikTok a lot because that's just been my experience for the past year and a half now. Especially, <laughs> hey, with it's the- leading your spiritual journey, dude. This but, is um, great. <laughs> like I, I'm very grateful to say I fostered an environment where 99.9% of the responses and comments are very, very um, open to dialogue and disagreement and conversation. And people understand the person I am for the most part. Obviously, you're going to get people who've never seen me and they're just like, what is this idiot talking about? But for the most part, the people who know me and follow me um, and have seen my videos before understand the, per- the person that I am and choose to be. That's actually a big thing is like it's a person I choose to be. It's not who I am. I actually don't like the statement who I am. Um, but anyway, um, that's a great we're topic, like, actually. <laughs> yeah. So when they when they engage with my content or hear my videos, like listen to my videos and listen to me talk, they're like, yeah, I mean, I totally get what you're saying, dude. But like, I, I think this and I'm like, cool, let's let's hash it out. Let's talk it out. Not even like an argument. Just like, let me like, I, I will, I will actually ask them in comments. I'm like, oh, well, why do you feel this way? Like, why do you think this is the right thing to do? Or, you know, like one time um, I made this poem about just criticizing America. I was just like, look, like this is a historical, you know, truth of America where we've mistreated different communities and people are like, oh, if you hate America so much, why don't you just leave? Right. I got that a lot. But some of the people I was like, hey, 
where did I say I hate America? Please point to me in the poem where I said I hate it. They're like, oh, well, you're just complaining a lot. I was like, no, I'm just acknowledging what is our truth as a country. And I was like, do you not agree that there are issues in terms of race? And they're like, well, yeah. And we had this whole back and forth dialogue where I just awesome, had man. them ask themselves questions about this, this anger that they had. And it came down to a point, the person literally said to me, I was not expecting this response from you. I was expecting something way more angry and like, you know, kind of demeaning. And I was like, we all go into conversations, especially about race or gender or whatever it is, expecting the person to say certain things because we've already put them on the other side just because they disagree with us. I don't go right. into a conversation with that mindset. I go into a conversation wanting to understand why you think the way you do. That's cool, man. That's a good encouragement to me because I would say in my transitions throughout life, the last few years, I've been more in the anger phase <laughs> and, uh, it's and, natural. but, but I've been, as I've been talking with friends, I'm like, you know, at the end of the day, if you keep battling with people, like there's only one direction you can go. Like that eventually leads to war in one way or another, you know, like whether the big conceptual world war, you know, like, uh, through, right. through uh, like countries or just wars constantly in your life. So what does that look like, uh, to be who you are, to be honest yet at the same time, uh, find common ground, find peace. That, that's a tough road to walk. And that's an encouragement, uh, to me to hear you talk about that. I, I love what you talked about too, just this idea of who you choose to be. Cause I think, uh, the idea growing up for me was like, you know, who am I? Like, how do I live out my true self? But I think the older I'm getting, I'm seeing like, it's, it's who, who do you want to be? Like, and the, the concept I keep thinking of is there's still time to become the person you always wanted to be. And that like today you can start, like, if you always wanted to do this, this, and this, but you failed at it, you can still take those steps today and change that and and move forward. So that's, that's awesome. Unfortunately, I got to start landing the plane <laughs> as I wrap this up. This has been a great conversation, but I'll wrap it up. The last two questions. It's the driver. I, and I, we've dove into a lot of philosophical things already. Um, but if, if you had to, you know, distill it almost down to a meme that you had to share or a short video on TikTok, how about we do that for you? <laughs> a short video on TikTok. A minute isn't enough, by the way, just for you. So you <laughs> I bet. I bet. So you should see uh, my editing, my premiere, my editing software. Just like I trim like from a minute 45 to a minute. It's ridiculous. That's impressive though. That's I, I live that world a lot. Um, so I know how much time, like people don't understand how much time a one minute video takes to get it down to that thing yep. as succinct as possible. Uh, but so yeah, if you had to put the concept of what it means to live a great life in a TikTok video, um, how would you do that? And what would you say? What it means to live a great life. That is an interesting question. <laughs> and I saw that I said, you sent it to me and I'm still, I was like thinking about it. I'm like, huh, I'm going to answer this. Whatever comes out of my mouth now is what it's going to be, I guess. Um, <laughs> to me, so is it how to, or what it means? Oh, sorry. So the I'm question really is what, what sorry. is it, what does it mean to you to live a great life or how the, like, uh, different people have taken it different directions. Mm -hmm. I would say whatever resounds with you the most, like is, is it the particular actions or philosophy that drives you? But at the end of the day, like, like right now in your life, if, if you were on your deathbed and, and you're, you're looking back and you're like, I did live a great life. What would that mean? Like, what would you explain mm. why 
that you lived that great life. Gotcha. That helps a lot, actually. Um, for me, it would be that I was able to, one, live a life that I enjoyed and felt fulfilled by um, because I used to, uh, like I said, I used to uh, study engineering. And if I continued down that path just for the sake of stability or security or whatever, one of these reasons that had nothing to do with my interests, I probably would be miserable. So it was, it was me choosing to follow film and television as a career path and poetry and do what I love and what I really enjoy and what brings me fulfillment. Um, I, I mean, we were briefly talking about editing. Like, I love editing. I can sit at a computer and edit for hours. And most people can't stand editing, but it's something that I find a lot of joy in. And like, I will trim at 0.1 second for <laughs> minutes, if not hours, just to get it right. You know, so uh, <laughs> exactly. And no one's going to notice it, by the way. No one's going to know that change was there <laughs> and how relevant it is and how important it is. But to me, it's like, no, it's that way. And so, yeah, it's, it's living a life that I feel fulfilled by um, and that one that serves others. Um, as I mentioned earlier, like helping people and providing service to others, being there, um, being able to make a change and, and impact people in a positive way is so important to me. Um, in our faith in Sikhi, there's this concept or the word is called seva, which is selfless service. And it's something that is instilled in, in Sikhs constantly, you know, like even at uh, the Gurdwara, which is a Sikh house of worship, there's a, there's a meal served at the end of the service, uh, at the end of the program. And so, you know, we're always instructed to do seva, to do langar, which is giving out the food and everything like that. So it's very embedded within our, within our community, within our faith to help others and serve. And so, yeah, so to live a life that I feel fulfilled by and to serve others, that is what defines a great life for me. That's awesome, man. Sounds like a great life. And when you think about creating, I know that's a big part of your life. Right now, how would you define what it means to create great things? Hmm, to create great things, honestly, because this is a conversation I wish, I maybe I have a great idea for this, that I need to talk with people about like creativity. And I feel like we put a, we put a, you know, like a, I don't want to say hierarchy, but there's just like a, a standard, I guess, for creativity, which I understand in maybe the societal aspect, like what is, you know, what stands out in terms of how many people listen to it. I guess there's numerical, you know, information that can determine what's great. But to me, being creative in and of itself is great. And so to create anything to me is a great thing because of how much people are stifled in their creativity um, in society. And so just the opportunity to like, to a lot of people creating TikTok seems so frivolous and so pointless, but to me to create a TikTok and then have people understand what I'm saying and like put out information or content that people resonate with, that really just to me is great. Like even though it has maybe no value to my career or anything, even though like I've had people reach out to me because of my TikToks, which is cool. But um, cool. but yeah, just to create content that I enjoy, it really comes back to my own fulfillment. Really, uh, as a as an as a creator, as an artist, as a performer, um, I've created content that you know 
people like absolutely love. I create content that people are like lukewarm on, or you know, like I said, love poems. People are just like, that's cool, I guess, but like we don't want to hear from you about that. Um, <laughs> but I love those poems, and I, I recite those poems to myself because I think they're freaking brilliant, and I fall in love with myself. Then, <laughs> and so um, it's yeah, it's it's really just what fulfills me and what I feel you know, sits inside me and I can get out onto a paper or onto the screen or whatever medium that I choose or that an artist chooses to use as their canvas is whatever I can do in that way that I think makes is great art. I love that. And I, I think so many artists uh, hit walls and hit, hit creative walls. And I think often when I have those conversations, uh, either talking about my own wall I'm hitting or talking to other artists about the wall they hit, it comes back down to they lost the love of simply creating where it started. Um, so that's, that's powerful, man. Uh, so uh, let, let everyone know where they real quick, we'll wrap it up, but uh, let everyone know where they can find you uh, on TikTok and, and elsewhere. Yeah. So I am Nav, N-A-V, the poet, uh, no underscores or spaces uh, on TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, um, Spotify, Apple Music, iTunes. I actually have an album out. Um, I released it in 2019. Uh, it's all spoken word. It's entitled Modern Times. Uh, and I think those are all the platforms really that I even use. Um, and yeah. Awesome. And I'll, I'll tag it all in the description and everything, but man, thank you so much uh, for sharing your story and sharing the things you're processing and learning. That was awesome, man. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for having me, my friend. Thank you for listening to the Live and Create podcast. If you like what you heard, make sure you subscribe and leave a comment or a review. The Live and Create podcast.